0: Mercy is falling, falling Lift up your
1: 53 says this: "Surely he's borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities, and upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. With his wounds, we are healed. Communion is a time where we stop and remember what Christ has done for us. And this song that talks about drawing near to Christ and pouring out our hearts to him, and healing and freedom and comfort that comes from him and in his presence is only possible through his blood. Shed on the cross and his body broken for us. Communion is that moment where we say, Jesus, we still remember. And we still want to say thank you. And we still want to praise your name. Thank you for what you have done for us. The price you paid for, for our salvation. And invite you if you have the, the bread and the and cup of juice there with you would you just take this with me The church has ever since Christ gave us this and said do this we have been celebrating this at the church around the world for 2 millennia and I invite you to join with me let us eat and remember Christ and his body that took the punishment For our sins. And with the juice. The wine. His cup. His blood poured out for us. Let's again. Drink this with a heart that is grateful for how he has taken away all the iniquities by his blood shed on the cross. Jesus, let me just pray, Lord, even as we sit in this moment in our homes, would you come and with each person, minister to each one of us? The song of hope, the song of comfort, the song of you being with us came at such a great price, and we just worship you, and we say thank you.
0: with you now
2: And it's the thing that you pressed on my heart was you were enough and and it was just a reminder again that all of those other million other things that I had put my time and energy into were small in comparison to your greatness and your presence. And Lord, this morning we desire you in your presence as a healing for our homes and as a healing for our hearts. Lord, would you start with us and then would you spread out like fresh water into the nation and just heal, Lord, would you mend and would you... of our nation it's only through you christ and it's only through your power and it's only through your love and it's only through your mercy and it's only through your justice and so we praise you christ for your wounds for your blood and how you took on our sins how you stepped in for us we worship you christ for that, and we thank you that mercy is falling this morning left this nation, that you are merciful towards us, and you are gracious towards us. And you are slow to anger, and you are patient, and you are kind. We praise you for this, Jesus. We we long for you. Speak to us this morning. Give us soft hearts to receive, Lord. We pray this in your name. Amen.
1: Hey, Freshwater. Uh, I got to tell you, I was part of just the the time of worship there. And uh, you ever have those moments where everything's taken away, things that you love, and you don't have them for a while, then all of a sudden you get it back and you realize, oh my goodness, like that, I missed it so bad. So I, I was sitting out there, the sound was off in the room, really, it wasn't that great a sound. But all of a sudden, none of that mattered. It was just being led in worship and I got to tell you I can't wait till we gather again and worship together again there is something about us getting together there's nothing that, that substitutes for that and his presence that comes and as you should see this room it's empty but his presence was here you could ask the, the team and those of us out there it was just a, a great time so I'm, I'm sorry I, hopefully you worship with him too and I'm, I'm not trying to make you feel like you're missing somebody oh, you missed something. So anyway, I'm moving on. Uh, how are you guys doing? Uh, really, like, how are you doing? How would you answer that question if somebody asked you that right now in light of all that's going on in, in our nation, um, in light of the protests and the, the riots and everything that's, that's been happening? And Personally... Um, Man, coming out of COVID, I was like, all right, here we go, here we go. And then, I don't know, for me, it's just been, uh, the last couple of weeks have been difficult. And especially um, this past week uh, on Wednesday, uh, I was able to just be on a Zoom call with uh, our district pastors, about 75 pastors in the Central District. We're part of the Christian Missionary Alliance. And just hearing from our African-American brothers who are pastors, it was very sobering uh, to hear them and how they're processing it. Um, you know, it's interesting that we're in this season and hopefully you're still praying. And, and I, you know, I'm still praying uh, 30 minutes a week until we regather, which is the 21st. We're going to close this season of prayer, and I don't think it's an accident. We've been praying for healing for our country, we thought it was for the virus, and now I look at what's going on and think, oh, it's so much bigger, right? So much bigger the healing that needs to happen in our country. And uh, today I want to pose the question, what do we do as Christ followers in light of all that's happening And I'm talking specifically to those of us who follow the way of Jesus, who have said Jesus is our Lord and our Savior, and my footsteps, my life is going to follow the way He walked and He lived and His call on our lives. As a staff, um, we had a plan to to start a new series here in June, and we just... uh, as the staff just said, there's just no way we can move into that series without addressing what's going on in our country. And so these, these next few moments are, are really coming out of that conversation with our staff and, and a couple elders as we talked about what, what does it look like to respond to what we're seeing happen. And I want to talk about today the, the obvious thing that's happening and what has stirred up our country right now is racism. And when I use that word racism, what, what comes to mind? What stirs in your soul when you hear that word? And as, as we think about racism, we have to realize that racism can be as blatant and as obvious as what we saw happen with George Floyd. But it also can be as subtle as being blind to it in ways we didn't even know. Like, we don't know what we don't know. And what can happen is, on that spectrum, one is easy to see, the other one is very difficult to see without help from somebody from the outside. And and often we could say, well, I I haven't owned slaves, I'm not racist, I'm not committing acts of racism, I'm You know, that's just not who I am. But the problem is the subtlety on this other end of the spectrum is we don't know what we don't know. And maybe we haven't learned and don't know things and it contributes to the culture of racism. Maybe we haven't learned the contributions of Blacks and what they have done in our country. We don't understand the contributions African Americans have made. And Africans themselves have made to culture, to architecture, to science, to math. We don't understand the contribution they've made to our theology. And the leadership of the church. And maybe we haven't made the effort to understand the past. From the point of view of an African American our country, and how it influences even the presence and their worldview and their point of view. And we often want to argue about <clears throat> definitions and, and rationalize or shift and blame, and that can often happen. But the bottom line at the end of the day is racism. Any form of it, subtle or not subtle, is sin. It's just simply sin. All people are created in the image of God. All people in any effort to diminish the value and worth of a person is pure, unadulterated evil. The African Americans and other people of color are still experiencing the evils of racism and the injustice it brings. And this isn't a political issue. It isn't a Republican issue, it isn't a Democrat issue, it isn't an Antifa issue, it isn't a skinhead issue, it is a biblical issue. This is the very heart of God, to care for the oppressed, to take up the cause of those who are under oppression and injustice. You read through the life of Christ, and he elevated the Samaritans who who were hated by the Jews. He told a story where he made a Samaritan, the hero of the story, and it was so offensive to the Jews. He elevated women who were oppressed and marginalized. He hit racism head on. And injustice. It's a Christian issue because it's an issue to our God. It's pervasive throughout our country. There's no way we can deny it. And it's happening in our own town. With our own people, our church family, our children out of our church. Our Christian brothers and sisters. It's splashing up on them. We have moms and dads and kids in our church who live with this. happening to them all along. If you want to ask some of the parents of children in our church whose skin is a different color than white, black, or brown, ask them what it's like for their children at school. Ask them what it's like for their children to go in the town of Wadsworth and discover that there are racists at school and racism is alive and well in our town. Now, those students at school didn't just start being that, they were taught that. They caught that, whether it was at home, whether it was through the media, whether it was culture at large in some way. And so when a black person starts to talk about racism and how it is systematic, it means this, that there are racist people who get jobs in corporations Racist people who get jobs in government positions, racist people who get jobs in educational positions, and they bring their racism into work, and they create an environment of racism and injustice. And it didn't just start since the civil rights movement, right? It didn't just start after the proclamation, right, uh, that set people free. After the Civil War, Emancipation Proclamation, it it started at the beginning of our country when we brought over Africans as slaves. It's been going on throughout the history of our country. And I realize this is such a complex issue, and there is no way I can address this in in any exhaustive manner or comprehensive manner. It is frustrating. But here's the question I'm wrestling with right now, and I want you to wrestle with. What is the youth going to say about those of us who are now influencing the church in our 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s? What are they going to say about us in a generation? are they going to say of Freshwater Community Church and its people that, well, they knew it was wrong, but they didn't do anything about it, really? Will they say that we sat on the sideline, or will they say of us that we saw them stand up and move towards being anti-racist? I want to talk about what our response should be. You and I are ambassadors of Christ, ambassadors specifically of reconciliation. I want to read to you 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, all the way through the end. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 through 21. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. On behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. As you sit right there and you you listen to this, your identity, if you follow the way of Christ and He is your Savior and your Lord, your identity is an ambassador of reconciliation. That's your identity. That's what you signed up for when you followed Christ. An ambassador of reconciliation. And what does that mean? An ambassador is one who moves with the authority, the power, and the agenda of his king, her king, and the kingdom. An ambassador is someone who moves with the authority, the power, and the agenda of the kingdom and the king they serve. It's the way Jesus designed this. And so what you and I do right now, even during these times and in the days ahead and the years ahead, reflects on our king. When we speak, we're speaking and the king is speaking through us. When we act, we're acting and it's the it's the king and his kingdom that is acting through us. I want, to, want you to just think about something. Have you ever met an ambassador? I don't know if you have. I, I, I don't know. I think I may have met one, but What if you ever met an ambassador or hung out with them and you you saw them and, and they never left their office? In fact, they never actually went outside to meet the leaders, meet the people of the country they were in. They never actually sat down with anyone to bring the agenda of the kingdom. In fact, all they did was sit on the side As an ambassador, I mean, you would say that ambassador was entirely ineffective. Fire them, bring them back home, send somebody else out there. See, an ambassador of Christ is action, it's direction. And we have a very clear mandate from our king. The agenda of the kingdom is reconciliation. Reconciliation to Christ, We we bring the good news that there is peace between God and humanity. It is the first and the foremost focus and mission of an ambassador of Christ. And yet when we think about this, when you watch Christ who modeled what it meant to be the king of reconciliation... He moved into relationships. He moved towards people who were oppressed. He moved towards injustice. He loved the people that were being overlooked, the people that were under the thumb of people in power who hated them. See, an ambassador of Christ, we bring reconciliation, we, we move towards relationships, and we move towards culture, and we move towards races. And it's not about politics, and it's not about nationalism. It's way beyond that because we're part of the king and the kingdom, right? That, that's what we're about. We're about the agenda of the kingdom of God. It's not a passive thing that we're involved in. It is moving into places and into culture where there is racism and injustice and antagonism and hate and violence and war and beginning to speak. See, Micah chapter 3, this is Jesus when he's talking. He says, hey, look, Jesus being God, right? He gives us this. And Micah's giving this prophecy. And in the middle of this, he says, look, I'll, let me boil this down. God says, this, let me boil this down for you. This is what I want of you. Do justice. Do justice. Love, mercy, walk humbly with your God. Do justice. No, doing justice. It's not just like love justice. It's not like, hey, justice is a good idea. It's an action. Do justice. Now, what does that look like? Well, I think it looks like relationship first. Mourn. Grieve. Our African-American brothers and sisters, as part of the church, let alone in our nation, are grieving and have been grieving for centuries, crying out for justice. Let me ask you a question. When, When you have grieved and when you have been in mourning, what have you loved the most when somebody comes to you? Do you love it when they come in and say, oh, you shouldn't feel that way? Perk up. Come on. Snap out of it. It's going to be sunny tomorrow. No. No, it doesn't help, right? What helps is somebody who sits down beside us, especially when we're talking about injustice, they sit down beside us and they're, they're quiet, right? And they listen. James says this, he says, look, be be slow, right? Or be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Let me ask you something, in this moment, in these last weeks even, have you been slow to listen, quick to speak, quick to anger? Or are you quick to listen, slow to speak? Slow to anger. I think God would call us to sit next to those who are experiencing injustice and say, talk to me. And just listen if they want to share. It's painful. It's painful. I, I saw my... African-American brothers, these pastors, I, some of them I've known for 18 years. I have some of the deepest respect for these men. They are godly men. And I'm on a Zoom call with them, and I saw something in their eyes and in their spirit I haven't seen in 18 years. These guys were raw. These guys were hurting. Hurting. Grieving, angry. The first thing to do is to stop and mourn with them and listen. Second thing, as an ambassador of reconciliation, God may be calling you to stand in the gap and in that moment and just say, I am sorry. Yeah, And now you may stiffen at that idea and say, oh, here comes the white guilt. This is not what this is about. Let me tell you a story or two. When I first came to this church 18 years ago, it was very apparent within a couple months that this church had wounded a pastor before I got here. And within that first two years, as a leadership, we apologized. We stood in in front of them, and some of us weren't even there in part of it, but we said, look, there was a wrong done, and on behalf of those who did the wrong, we want to stand here and say, this was wrong, and we're sorry. It allowed healing. It spoke to the injustice that had happened and said, this was wrong, and we are sorry this has happened. I remember reading a book by Donald Miller called Blue Like Jazz. I'll never forget it. He's up in the Pacific Northwest, Oregon, I think, or Washington. He's at a university. And he and some Christian friends had this idea because uh, they're trying to figure out how do you reach this culture that, is, that just doesn't like Christ at all, hates Christ, doesn't want anything to do with with uh, Jesus and the church and Christians. And they had this crazy idea. They they put to they put up, and I may have shared this with you. I, Please forgive me if I, I, I have, because it's still, to me, it's still, I, I, it's just a powerful story. They got one of those medieval kind of confessional booths, and they set it up in the middle of the campus during one of these huge festivals. This campus threw like one or two a year, but it was a big drunk fest. It was just a, a debauchery party. But they put this confessional booth right in the middle of it. And it's, the craziest thing happened. People actually lined up to get in. But what Donald Miller and his friends did is they turned the tables, and when people came in, the Christians started confessing. And the people were shocked, and they said, no, 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 this isn't about you coming in to confess your sins to us. This is about us confessing the sins of the church to you. And so Donald Miller and and these Christian friends would each take a turn sitting in this booth confessing the sins of the church. You want to know what happened? People wept. People broke because somebody finally stood up and said, we are so sorry. And you know what happened? There were people in there that all of a sudden started to think, maybe Jesus is someone I should follow. Maybe Jesus isn't all that bad. That's an ambassador of reconciliation. And and if you're sitting there saying, well, it's just not fair because I didn't do this. Let me just speak into that even further. We don't want to go down the line of thought that says it isn't fair. Because if you do that, you have to start first with our Savior and Lord. Let me ask you a question. Do you think it was fair that Jesus had to come to this earth, step down from the throne for us? Do you think it was fair he had to be tempted? Do you think it was fair he was persecuted? Do you think it was fair that he was rejected? Do you think it was fair he was beaten? Do you think it was fair that he was the, the son of God, God Almighty, betrayed by one of his own, sold for 30 pieces of silver? Do you think it was fair he was tortured? Do you think it was fair he was crucified? Do you think it was fair he took on the punishment for my sin? We just, we just took communion. He took on the punishment for my sin. We don't want fair. Fair is Scott Brooks goes to hell for eternity. That's that's fair. We don't want fair. We just say mercy is falling. And falling. That's what we want. We're ambassadors of reconciliation. The very essence is grace, mercy. And Jesus says, follow me. And when he says, follow me, he says, take up your cross and follow me. Give up your rights. Give up your right to say what's fair. And follow me and watch the power of mercy fall on people. And grace fall on people. Give up your right. Give up fairness. And become an ambassador of reconciliation. Our Lord... Calling us to our African American brothers and sisters to minister and to build bridges to Christ. I want to also just speak in what is our response. Part of it is just to sit and to listen. Part of it is to stand in the place of those before us. And it may not stop our whole lives. So what? Each time, moving into that and standing in the gap. In Christ also, as we think about being an ambassador of Christ, we cannot sit by. We just cannot sit by. Doing justice means we are, we are not part of a neutral kingdom. We are part of a kingdom that is active. So to say, as I have said, and I'm saying this about myself right now, and realizing this, and this is part of what I need to repent from, to say I'm not a racist is not enough. It's just not enough. That only gets us to the zero sum. It gets us to zero. We need to move towards being anti-racist. And we need to start moving the needle of justice. Neutrality isn't an option. Complacency isn't an option. And folks, I, I know Freshwater. I have been a part these last 18 years and seen fresh water respond over the years in moments like these, with this courage and hunger and passion to be these ambassadors of Christ. Like I've seen it. This is fresh water, this is what we're like, this is what we do. And so part of me as I preach this, I, I know what fresh water, what we're gonna do, we're gonna move towards this because this is this is what we do here. And I know so many of you say, have said, and I've talked to some and say, I, I would like to do something. I don't know what to do. Tell me what to do. In a predominantly white town, as a white person, I, help me understand what to do. And, and that may be you right now. And so there's a couple steps. First, understand this. This is a 10 on the scale. This isn't a, a three. This isn't a two. Right now, we're in a 10. And, and I want you to just understand that. Reframe the importance and how critical this is. This is a 10. For the African American community, they live at an eight or nine most of the time. That's why it's blowing up. It's a 10. And say that to yourself, this is a 10. And therefore, because it's a 10, let's talk about some things. First, I don't know what you have planned for reading over the next year. I don't know what you have planned for viewing over the next year. What you have planned to listen to in the car podcast. But we need to grow. As ambassadors of Christ, we need to understand the King's agenda and what reconciliation looks like and where our African American friends and brothers and sisters and, and, and as a whole of people are. Don't go to them and put this on them to educate you. There's, there's so many resources out there. And, and as a church, we're going to put together some resources. It's not going to be hard. We'll put together some resources, just a list of, of, of speakers, pastors you could listen to, books you, you might want to read. And we will send that out. But go to school, learn, grow. Another piece of this I know we want to do something and move forward, and in the coming days and weeks, we may be calling a time of prayer. We may be jumping into something with other churches. We're trying to get that all figured out, and, and uh, we're, we're still trying to clarify that. In fact, we may have an announcement here. I don't know. We may try to record something, and if we get – we're trying to make some plans. But I can't say it at this point, but because of video, we can cut and paste something in. So you may get an announcement at, at the end of this thing. Pay attention. If it's not there, it's just because we're trying to get this thing organized and make sure that we've got all our ducks in a row but there are some things immediately that we're going to do, pray and join in with other churches. But then this is the other thing. I want to invite you to have resolve. And join me on this, because what we're looking at is not something that is going to be born out of an emotional decision or a passionate decision. It doesn't work. We are going to do something that is led by the Spirit of God, and it is going to last for generations. That's what I'm about, and that's what our staff is about. We are not looking to just, oh, let's feel good about ourselves, or oh, this is bad. We are looking to methodically pray and seek the Spirit and begin to create a culture that's part of Freshwater where we are anti-racist, and we have very concrete plans about how we do that in a measured spirit led way, I just i I talked about a book, The Clapham Sect, that I read, and it's kind of dry. I mean, if you want to read it, you, you can't it's really I mean, I really enjoyed it, but I just want to warn you, but it's the story of this group of. 20 families, 15 to 20 families in England, late 1700s, early 1800s. William Wilberforce, if you've heard of him, he was the guy that led England's uh, abolition of slavery, a phenomenal man. You can watch his, there's a movie uh, called Wilberforce, and, and it's all about that. But these families, it wasn't in a year, and it wasn't in six months, they methodically began to establish societies and schools, and education, and they they went into churches, and they started taking over churches, and their goal was literally to change their nation. And it's unbelievable what happened in two generations. England's course, you could point back to these 20 families that were from this little town called Clapham, and they call them the Clapham sect. They changed the course of their nation. We're Wadsworth. What if someday somebody wrote a book about the Wadsworth sect? A group of people resolved to fight for justice. And to say, no, we're ambassadors of Christ. We will not be passive, we will not stay at zero. We will begin to move with the King. His authority, his power, and his agenda of reconciliation. And we will not stop. We will not stop till he calls us home. Or until he comes, we will not stop. God bless you. So here's the beauty of uh, technology. I am back on, guys. Uh, Hey, Sunday afternoon. Today, if you're watching this this morning, Sunday afternoon at 3 o'clock, um, I want to invite you to a time of prayer uh, in front of City Hall here in Wadsworth. The pastor, the senior pastor of the chapel here in Wadsworth, Zach Durr, and I have been in conversations. And we're talking about what does it look like to start a partner as a church, us our two churches, and begin to tackle this issue of racism and what does it mean to, to bring justice and reconciliation? And, and we just, it's simple. If you can't make it, we realize it's a short notice, but we just, we're getting together, the two of us. We'd love to invite you. And it's, it's going to be at three o'clock right out in front of City Hall. Love to see you there. Hopefully you can make it.
2: and you are our truth. You're our guide and our director. You light up our path. And where we've seen wrong, Lord, you lead us in right. You, you change our heart. And you change our minds. And Lord Christ, do that this morning. Lead us, Lord. Help us understand and help us see. Give us your wisdom. Pray this in your name. Thanks for joining us this morning online. Um, Again, in in two weeks, we're going to gather together outdoors. We're really looking forward to that day. Um, So uh, let's let's just, let's gear up for that. Let's celebrate that. If you're not comfortable coming yet, we completely understand. We're going to provide an online presence for you. Uh, But those that are, we're excited to celebrate with you. We love you. Have a great week.